Welcome to episode 13 of the Worship Drummer Podcast. I'm your host, John Manna. Stick around, we've got a great episode coming your way. What is up, Worship Drummer family? Hope you're all doing well. It's already February, and I hope you had a fantastic January. We took the first month of the year off and um, I personally spent time fasting and praying with my church and also personally uh, just looking ahead to the year and wanted to start it off on the right foot. And so I hope you had a good January. In episode 13 that we have for you in just a moment, uh, I had a fascinating conversation with Josh Fisher and Josh is the drummer for Jesus Culture. And I've actually been waiting for several years to be able to just have a conversation with him and capture it uh, for the Worship Drummer family. So this is that moment. And we had such a great talk. Um, We talked about his journey to Jesus culture, uh, how uh, that all happened, how it got started, how that opportunity came. And uh, also we talk about Chris Kilala, who is the worship leader for Jesus Culture alongside Kim Walker-Smith. And um, Chris is actually a drummer. So we talk about that relationship between Chris and Josh and how, how that is helpful. And as well, we talk about drumming influences. We talk about um, moving to Nashville, which is kind of a cool thing. And, um, and I, I dig into Josh's head a bit on, around the concept of tech in music and why he avoids it and doesn't want it really a part of what he does as a drummer, which I think is uh, an interesting insight considering how many drummers I'm aware of that are kind of like behind mission control in terms of running Ableton and all this other stuff. So uh, fascinating to dig into his brain a little bit on that particular piece. And then um, we dive into also uh, just some practical advice on uh, practicing with a click and uh, honestly I I know you'll enjoy this episode so um, there will be some photos that I'm waiting still for him to send me but we should have them within the next 24 hours and we'll post them as soon as we get them and uh, you can find the show notes for this episode at worshipdrummer.com forward slash 013 and uh, that 013 obviously is for episode 13 So without further ado, here's my conversation with Jesus Culture drummer, Josh Fisher. Josh, welcome to the Worship Drummer Podcast. Thank you very much. And so um, we're going to just jump straight in. I want to honor your time with us. And uh, I just want to throw it back for a quick second, though. Um, The first person I ever did an interview with was Mike Weber back in the day. I think it was 2012 when he was still at Planet Shakers. And uh, I remember asking him the question, who are like some influential drummers that we should keep an eye out for? And he mentioned Kevin Camp, who was drumming for Israel Houghton. And then he said, Josh Fisher. And I was like, wow, that's so cool. And so Mm -hmm. that was uh, several years ago. It's been about four, almost five years that since that time. So we're happy to uh, to be able to do this with you, Josh. So, well, I did not know that. Yeah. So when I was talking to Mikey, 
<laughs> and I'm assuming you guys must have all been at a conference together somewhere. Yeah, we've I've seen Mike a couple of times at Planet Shakers uh, down in Melbourne, I believe it is. Yeah. And um, and last I heard, he's actually living in Redding, California. So nice. I think he's moved back to Australia since. Um, so yeah, Good it was a, it was a cool connection. And uh, so let's jump into your journey to Jesus culture. I'm going to approach the questions as if I don't know anything about you. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and just to give our listeners um, an idea of how that process looked for you, uh, because we know you today as Josh from Jesus culture. Mm -hmm. so, so talk us maybe through that beginning stages of getting involved and, and becoming a drummer for Jesus culture. Uh, starting out with Jesus Culture was kind of a fluke, really, being in the right place at the right time. So I was living in Atlanta on the road with uh, some other artists, and you know that's where I'm, I'm born and raised in Atlanta. So um, they were doing a conference in Atlanta that they did. You know, it might have been their either first or second one. I'm not sure which one it is, and basically. The church that I was going to was kind of hosting the conference or hosting the worship team side of it. So they, we were providing the volunteers for the worship team and for the, for the spots that needed to be filled. And um, from Reading came Chris Kilala, Ian McIntosh, and Melissa Howe. So that was like the, the only three that they brought with them, wow. including Banning. So everything else needed to be filled on the stage. So, so I was, you know, I didn't know Chris or Banning or Jesus Culture, you know, from Adam. And they were like, <laughs> and so they were, uh, my buddy said, hey, you know, we need a drummer for this morning, this evening, this afternoon, whatever. And I said, i I'll, yeah, of course I'll do it, you know. Um, and so, uh, long story short, I got to, I got to fill in uh, for a couple of sessions, and so I talked to Chris Kilala. We talked about maybe going to school of ministry in Reading. Wow. Oh, this is a great story about me and Chris because Chris plays drums. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the last time that he played drums, but. <laughs> He, uh, you know, he he's fantastic on the drums. And so Chris was just transitioning from drums to lead, uh, to worship leading so and playing guitar. So this is about what year, just to give us an idea? Oh, this is um, 06, okay, I believe. Okay, wow. Mm-hmm. And um, so he was just transitioning. So, so I'm filling in on the drums and... I am at rehearsal really early in the morning, and I don't know anyone there, and I don't know one bit of music that we're about to start playing. Wow. And so I'm kind of just shorthanding some notes, and basically I say, how does this song go? That's, that's all I say. And so Chris turns around and looks at me, and he says, okay, this song is about you know, 140 BPM, 
it starts with four on the floor. You're going to come in on the verse with, you know, a straight whatever. And then it's going to come down in the pre-chorus and then build into a big chorus, blah, blah, <laughs> you know. And then, he's, and then he just kind of gives me the, the smallest amount of information, but yet the most important information at the same time. Wow. And I, I looked at him like, like, who is this guy? You know, how <laughs> like that. I couldn't have said that better myself, basically. <laughs> wow. And so we just hit it off immediately, you know. And then once we start playing the songs, he know, you know, he just knew exactly how to give me cues and signals because I still was just, you know, flying blind at that point, trying to, you know, had no clue what what was coming next, basically in the song. And he would just turn around and just give me the clue that, or the sign that meant the most at mm. the moment, you know. Yeah, so. Yeah. We hit it off, and because uh, I knew what he was talking about, basically. <laughs> he's like, wow, this guy knows what I'm talking about. And I'm like, wow, this guy knows what he's talking about. <laughs> and, uh, and so, anyways, so that's how it started, you know, just in meeting. It was like, you know, first impression, right? Make, make a good first impression. So... Uh, we talk about going to Reading and School of Ministry. So me and my wife drive out to California and go to School of Ministry. And I start playing at Bethel and with Chris for the Jesus Culture side of things. And because uh, he's actually still playing drums with Kim. Like he played drums on How He Loves. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and on that same record, I played with Chris, whatever songs those were. So... Uh, so basically saying yes in Atlanta to a early morning volunteer random conference worship set, uh, led me to record on the record that had how he loves on it, wow. which is kind of what took Jesus culture to the next level, at least, you know, in becoming known around the world so that's incredible um let's because it like you can't just show up and be a an unprepared drummer like you i'm sure you must have done the hard work of personal preparation at your craft mm -hmm. before that opportunity came can you talk to that yeah one of the i guess to that specific you know event one of the most important things was being able to figure out how to learn a brand new song and somehow remember it, you know, five minutes later. Hmm. So, um, I guess where I was at in the moment was definitely learning, at just being in the church scene in Atlanta, you had to really learn a song exactly like it was on the record. And then you would learn it during the week. Everybody would show up on Sunday morning or maybe if you had a rehearsal and you everybody was expected to play the song exactly the same. Um, so I was I had been practicing just doing that over the past couple of years, you know, in order to just get up to, you know, a, a standard, a level of excellence that, you know, you can perform at that level. And so I had already learned 
how the just the most important things about learning a song for the first time and being able to play it immediately. One, that's when, how does the song start and when do the drums come in? <laughs> you know, if I can, if I can at least fake it that far, then I might be able to remember it, you know, awesome. coming out. So how does the song start and when do the drums come in? And, um, so I would, uh, just take a, a handful of notes. I actually have a picture of that somewhere, but. Oh, you got to send when, it in. When I was, this is what, this is the story that, uh, Chris and Ian tell, tell all the time when we're talking about this kind of stuff. But I was playing a song, you know, I was playing a song with Chris in Atlanta, that's a thing. And I was ri- actually writing down on a pad and pencil on the floor, Tom, with one hand while I was playing the song with my left hand and you know, they didn't, they couldn't tell. And then all they look back and I'm writing down with one hand, some, just some chicken scratch wow. and playing the song with the other hand while they're, and they're just like, who is this guy? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, uh, and I found it probably just a couple of months ago and took a picture of that chart and sent it to them. You know, it's nothing, nothing special the chart but it was just that moment wow. when we were and, and it's uh i think it was that song dance the old the old version of the song dance and sure enough i had it just chicken scratched out and <laughs> wow and and so i learned the key points that i wrote down the key points that i needed to know in order to play that song the next day or you know yeah would you an do hour later actual drum notation or just like keywords that would trigger the memory of what pattern you're playing yeah yeah it's keywords all the way uh just a lot of shorthand it's um just it's my own language yeah you know i it's my own language that i had to interpret because after you write it down then you have to be able to read it yeah so if i look at a chart and i don't know exactly what i'm supposed to play in that section or whatnot then that means I didn't communicate with myself well enough. Wow. So then I would have to change it in order to make sure that I knew exactly what I was trying to tell myself in the future. That is amazing. <laughs> what would future Josh <laughs> want to know? Would, because uh, we do like to post like show notes and stuff. Would you, can we trouble you to go find that picture? I can try. And, I really and, don't know where it is. And, I, actually, I, ha- I have the photo. I have the photo in my library, so I should be able to find it. If you can, that would be awesome just for our listeners to be able to see in the show notes of the, on the website. Um, so playing with Chris, like, did you ever feel intimidated or, or did you just know him in the relationship as a worship, drum, as a worship leader? Uh, it mainly just a worship leader. I, I, I mean... When would I be nervous? No, I wouldn't be nervous. I never was never nervous playing with him. Um, you're talking about just because he was another drummer. Yeah, or I feel like uh, I gotta show my teeth a little more. Mm-hmm. Nope. We um, we both hit it off. We kind of have a little bit separate styles. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, even to the point where when we're in the studio coming up with drum parts for the record. You know, I, I I love this one picture that we have, but it's me sitting on the drums and he's sitting on a chair 
directly in front of me like a teacher. And we're just talking about... Like whiplash. (laughs) Yeah. He was just talking about what, you know, what feel, groove, you know, pattern, kick pattern, snare thing, you know, context, whatever we're talking about Mm. for this, for the song that, that we're about to, that we're, you know, working on for the record. So, you know, we've always gone back and forth and... A uh, number of times, he'll hop on the drums during a break and and kind of flesh something out while I'm not even in the studio. And I'll come back and he'll have this thing written out, you know. And it's like, wow, that's fantastic, you know. And the 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 one instance I can remember from that is uh, the song "Burning Ones" because mm-hmm. um, it's it's kind of just a you know, straight ahead, but it's doom, doom, gaga, doom, doom, gaga, doom, doom, gaga, doom, doom, gaga, you know, and, and I, that's the instance. I left, I came back in, and he was playing that, and I was like, oh, that's great. Let's, let's head that direction, and that's where it is today, so. Wow. Mm-hmm. So cool. So, playing with Chris has actually made your job a little easier in terms of creativity, I guess, would you say? Uh, Easier and also um, easier, harder, and more of a learning experience, just expanding. Mm. I don't even know if it's easier. It's more of just expanding. And like pushing those limits? Yeah, not not even pushing the limits. It's just adding more to my repertoire Mm. you know i i just my you know my library of drum possibilities has you know expanded and even now with people like ian who does a lot of programming on the songs and things so he's right he's he'll basically write out an entire drum section for the song if he wants to and he's written some of the most complicated drum parts, almost that I, I've had to play. And on the new record, he's he's it he's he wrote the hardest one I've had to play. Huh. And and it and the funny thing is, is it doesn't sound hard, but it's almost impossible. Wow. <laughs> when you say new record, is it Let It Echo, or there's something else coming sooner? Yeah, we're. And we just started recording uh, our latest record. So I was in California uh, over the past two weeks, basically. We recorded our first live session on Sunday at Jesus Culture Church. And I'll be flying out um, from Nashville to Sacramento for the next three weekends. Wow. And we'll finish up. Yeah, we'll, we'll do three full Sundays of recording just to make sure that we get everything and have multiple takes of songs and, and that they're all live at the same time. Wow. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Wow. So cool. We'll, we'll keep our ears open for that one coming up. Um, another question is you mentioned that your style is different than Chris's. So what drummers or what influences have you had to help shape that your style and feel mm-hmm. as a drummer. Well, when I was in high school, 
you know, in middle school when I was playing drums, I, I just had, you have time on your hands, you know, so um, that's that's the best time to learn drums, I feel, but that's when I learned most of my, of my drumming, and uh, I started out before all that, if we want to go to the beginning, I started out when I was nine and I was playing to uh, like oldies music, 60s, 70s, stuff like that. And I had a cassette tape and I would listen to the radio and when my a song that I loved would come on, I would run over and hit record, record. So on did the I. cassette. <laughs> and so I had a full cassette front and back with you know all my favorite songs it was probably about an hour or so 60 minute cassette <laughs> yeah i don't know if that's 60 minutes on each side or 30 but right, i right. had like a 60 minute cassette full and i would come home and i would play all those songs front to back every day wow um and for some reason, I didn't make another cassette. I only made one, and I played the same one over and over. And, you know, I can still think. I heard one song, and it's so funny. I heard a song yesterday um, at the auto parts store, and it was, um, Well, I heard it through the grapevine. <laughs> and I, it just brought me back to, you know, when I was learning how to play drums. and. Wow the the signature drum fill in that song that I learned at age nine is you know just a staple of what I still do today from that old you know oldies tune so wow. I had songs like that and um uh let's see it was Blue Moon um Rockin' Robin let's see what else Johnny Be Good <laughs> wow um and then there was one that was uh uh blueberry hill stuff like that you know just a a bunch of um so many different genres you know that i that i got to learn from starting out wow. so i learned i learned almost everything i know about feel from from some of those old tunes um and then from there, I, of course, it started going into harder rock when I was, uh, you know, growing up and got into some Christian rock, which, let's see, if I were to say Christian rock, what would that look like? Um, for me, I guess that would be Petra, <laughs> uh, uh, Ken Tamplin. What was that? What was the name of that? Ken Tamplin. Yeah, it was just Tamplin and Friends was the name of the first tape that I had. Uh, who else did I get into? I got into, um, I love going down memory lane <laughs> really quick. Uh, probably, what was the biggest one? I'm trying to remember. Anyway, so let's just say Petra, Guardian, Magdalene, Ken Tamplin. We'll just stick with those right now. Wow. Uh, so I got into Christian, and then I got into stuff, and then I got in, went into some secular stuff. And one of my two of my main influences would be Lars from Metallica mm -hmm. and uh, Carter Beaufort from Dave Matthews. Yes, my favorite. 
So I learned a, I I still use a lot of that stuff today, but it's in a totally different style and context. Right. But being able to play different things on both hands at the same time and um and you know a lot of just different hi-hat work and tom work and you know just stuff just just little little you know hmm. idiosyncrasies that that make the difference in building a song so yeah those are probably my main influences i would i would think incredible for any worship drummers that are kind of just starting out today nowadays um who are like top three guys around now that you would recommend they check out as uh worship drummers uh either or Let, let's do both categories i don't really i don't really follow any like secular drummers that much anymore so um let's keep it close yeah. to home in the worship circle then yeah uh, goodness you're gonna have to give me a minute to think about this <laughs> oh um man there's a couple of the couple of the hillsong guys oh, like uh, harry simon and harry man yeah. Simon, they i i've got to go on tour with both of those guys <clears throat> and simon does a bunch of stuff that that we would that that just got me Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like it was simple it sounded easy it was there was you know it's like sounded like there was nothing to it but then try to play it you know he he's playing three and four different drum parts at the same time i was like yes dude that's what i'm talking about <laughs> he's like yeah it doesn't it doesn't sound easy or it doesn't sound difficult but we went into the studio and we started adding these different drum parts you know, overdubs. Yeah, yeah. And and then I had to play it live. So, <laughs> wow. Basically, you play as much as you possibly can, and there are three or four very simple parts. But when you add them all together at the same time, you're you know you're flailing around like a chicken with your head cut <laughs> off. You know. So uh, he was he's fantastic. I can't wait to see him again. Um, and then Harry is I just found out is like a music guru. Yeah. Uh, I just saw him post something of him playing some kind of classical piano. Yeah, I'm like, leave me alone. Yeah. Leave me alone. Don't talk to me. Ridiculous. Yeah. And, you know, I just know him as a drummer and I watch him play. Um, I think it was with Hillsong, just Hillsong music. Yeah. You were on the Outcry tour, I think, with him. Yeah. Because you passed. I was there that night in uh, Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, yeah. And he was, he would just pull stuff out of his hat. You know, it was, he would just be playing the song and all of a sudden he would just pull something out of his hat. It was like, okay, what was that? You know, (laughs) what was that? And, uh, and then on with, uh, with that, let's see, you have, um, Austin, davis which is carrie job's drummer we've spent a lot of time with him and now that i'm in nashville we've been hanging out a lot um nice and then jacob arnold who plays for redmond he uh he is such a different style compared to everybody else and he actually plays with johnny swim now also yeah yeah such a different style and 
so musical. He's one of the one of the more musical drummers out there, and uh, and he it, it just feels like he loves everything that he plays, and that's what I like about him. Um, cool man. So it's almost like all those guys are like that. They love what they the the each note they play. They're playing it on purpose. Yeah, and that's that's kind of how I am, and I guess that's what gravitates, you know me to those guys awesome so just to recap so simon cobbler harry wood from hillsong uh austin davis from carrie job and jacob arnold cool man that's a good list so as you guys listen i will uh, link to their instagram and if they have websites i think some of them do we'll link to their websites as well i gotta uh, throw in just one more name with yeah, that, yeah. though it's my my new best friend in Nashville, and that's Aaron Battle. Huh. He plays actually. He plays for plays for Brit Nicole, and oh, he yeah, yeah. he's the nastiest gospel drummer yeah. I have ever heard. Aaron and, Battle, like B A T T L E. That's the one. Nice. Look him up. Yeah, I've seen uh, some of his Instagram stuff. Nice. Um, so cool. That's a great list. We'll link to that in the show notes. Uh, you mentioned Nashville, so we're going to get to that in just a second. Um, but I had a question first in regards to the tech side of stuff. Uh, because mm-hmm. as you're talking about you know, Hillsong and all that stuff, I know I've seen all their setups. I have pictures of all their setups. Um, I th- I'm pretty sure I saw your kit backstage at Outcry. And uh, I... like. Do you use any like Roland SPDSX or is it just you and the drums and other people figure like the electronic stuff out? Yeah, I haven't ventured into the electronic world and I'm trying to uh, not venture. <laughs> I'm trying to hold that off as yeah. long as possible. Um, I'm curious so. as to why. Like what's your theory behind it all? <clears throat> If you really want to get into it, um, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's just a purist or I don't like one of the one of the main the main reason is I don't like to be distracted hmm. by anything. Wow. So when I'm on stage, I want to be completely focused in all the other stuff that I'm trying to pay attention to, which is, um, you know, the worship leader and the signs and signals that Kim and Chris are given, and, and they're just tiny movements, hmm. you know, in their, in their body language even. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if Chris starts, you know, if he starts just stepping his foot a little bit harder because you know he is trying to go somewhere i want to be able to pick that up wow uh, if kim starts um you know just moving moving her arms or moving her legs in a, a little bit more of an aggressive way like she's you know really wanting to go somewhere i don't want to miss that yeah uh, on top of that i don't want to if the Holy Spirit is doing something in, you know, the the audience, the crowd, people on stage, in me, in anyone, 
um, you know, if Jeffrey or someone on guitar, Ian on keys, or anybody is taking a step out and, you know, feeling something and leading everyone on stage or leading everyone in the crowd, I don't want to miss it. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm because I'm worried about you know whether or not my time clock is you know at 41 or 48 you know just stuff like that and I learned I figured this out when I was in uh, the UK we did a Europe tour and I was running tracks and running Ableton and usually Ian does all that you know he's the Ableton whiz he's he's the poster Ableton poster child <laughs> these days and so he wasn't on this trip so I just took over running tracks which I've done before but it's been I haven't done it really with Jesus culture in 10 ever so wow. let's just say 10 years of me not running tracks so now I'll start running tracks for this tour and I realized that I'm so worried about you know launching the next scene launching the next section if you know, what's going to happen if the program, you know, shuts down all this stuff that I could have cared less of what I was playing on the drums or what anybody right. else is doing. Wow. And so that being said, um, I think that was the main reason was if, if we can, if, if you want me to play boom, chat, boom, 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 chat on a, you know, rolling pad, why don't you? Let's just throw it in the tracks so I can just worry about what I need to worry about. And, and, you know, I can focus on the very thing kind of that that got me here, you know, just keeping it real and let me do what I do best and don't take away, even though I'm perfectly capable of running tracks and playing yeah. a pad. Um. I just found that it was more of a distraction and it didn't actually add to anything that I was doing. Wow. That's a fresh perspective on it, man. It's pretty heavy and I'm not, I don't try not to diss on anybody who, you know, does run that and does yeah, do yeah. that kind of stuff because it's definitely part of it and people love it. But this is, that's just my own personal experience with it. Sure. No, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, so moving to the Nashville topic, um, so you mentioned that you were flying from Nashville back to California. So um, now I'm assuming you're living in Nashville. Yeah. And, and you said you've been connecting with Austin. So uh, talk about that that whole experience of moving to Nashville. Why move to Nashville? Like what changed, and uh, how it's been. Well, it's been, it's been great. It's been a journey, an adventure. Uh, I tell you, well, we moved from Atlanta to California, so that was actually more more of a move than it was to move back east. So we moved away. You know, I was born and raised in Georgia, and my wife is basically from Georgia. So we're, you know, we're from the Southeast and we, that's where our families are from. So we knew that at some point we were going to come back East and be closer to family. It's really 
really for my wife so that when I'm out of town, you know, she has people mm-hmm. that can, you know, come and stay with her and help her and see her family and her cousins and her aunts and all that stuff. You know, that's, yeah, yeah. that's important. That's more important to women than it is men Yeah, <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> and so long story short, without all the brutal details of traveling with three kids, um, we finally just, you know, we had been out in California for four or five years for the second time. And, uh, finally my wife was like, okay, I think I'm ready to move back. And so the decision was, well, we can move anywhere we want east, you know, Southeast. Do we want to move back to Atlanta? Do we want to move, uh, somewhere else? We've always loved Tennessee and I figured I needed to be close to an airport. Mm-hmm. So Nashville was a natural option there. Um, we looked at, you know, North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, anything just in the southeast area. It's so nice. We love it here. And so, um, you know, we figured Nashville was the best option, and it just happened to be music central of the world. So it might might help might not we'll, we'll find out so cool and i'm sure people are wondering oh does that mean he's not part of jesus culture anymore uh but can you reassure our listeners about that aspect yes i will reassure you that i'm a part of jesus culture <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we're, we're it feels like we're picking up momentum actually we're signed on with capital nice records for distri- distribution and uh, they have really helped us, you know, just expand to the, you know, the entire world and and figure out how to make ourselves better and make our songs better and make our records better and wow. so yeah, it feels like we're 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 going to the next level after ten years. Yeah, so cool. Uh, being in Nashville, um, actually, I'm going to be in Atlanta next week on Tuesday mm-hmm. uh, for a conference, but. Uh, being in Nashville, which I've never been to, uh, and being a drummer like yourself, is it easy to find other opportunities that show up and to be like, hmm, I might do that on the side? Or is there really no room in your schedule for that? Uh, I mean, yeah, there's definitely opportunities. You know, it's always good to meet new people, play with new people, learn new things. So um, I have been you know coming across different situations i've been to a couple of studios and met you know engineers and producers uh other drummers other worship leaders you know people who uh different churches i've 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 been doing it all already so it's mainly just you know doing that thing where you where you just say yes to anybody who asks you something just like i did in Atlanta when I was going to play for Jesus culture for the first time and I didn't know it. Yeah. yeah. You know, you just, yeah, I'd, I'd love to, let's go hang out. Let's have coffee. Let's, you know, play on a Sunday, play on a Monday, play on a Tuesday, play on a Wednesday. It's, it's kind of what it's <laughs> like here. They have services every night of the week of some point. So if you want to play somewhere, you can. Nice. Have you guys uh, found a church that you call home yet? Uh, we haven't. I've been to, I'd say, five or six different churches and, um, you know, just figuring it all out. I've never really had to 
look for a church before. Yeah, interesting you know, process, eh? It is. It's brand new. I like it. Yeah. I like it. So I'm going to uh, uh, a little church called Grace Chapel. Um, let me let me take that back. Grace Center. I'm going to a little church called Grace Center tonight. It's Wednesday nice. night. So uh, that's what I've been doing for the past couple of weeks. And I've been going to another place called The Belonging on Tuesday nights yeah. in Nashville. Henry Seeley's church. Henry mm-hmm. and Alex. That's cool. Yeah. So I've just been checking stuff out. It's been great. And um, here's a, a little off-topic question about looking for a church. Um, do you so in your process of searching? I know it's a mix of a lot of things, but let's talk about the kids. Um, is that probably the most important aspect as a family that you would look for at this point in your life, or is it just it has to be the whole thing? It's a mixture of everything, I would say. Uh, for my wife, I'd say the kids might be the most important part. And, you know, every church has great kid program, kids programs these days. So I don't really know what we're looking for or what makes one better than the other. I don't know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so we've been to different places and the kids seem to love them all the same. But um, And then, man, you come to Nashville... <laughs> And you go to church, the worship and the musicians are just out of this world. Wow. Every, every single place. Uh, a buddy told me one time, he's like, if you plan on moving to Nashville, here's a tip. Drive about you know 30 miles outside of the city and find the you know, most random gas station that you can find, go inside. And if there's a guy playing guitar in there and he plays better than you, don't move to Nashville. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. Amazing. Yeah, so it's full. It really is full of musicians that, I mean, they are just top tier every single time. I don't care if you're in the rundown you know bar outside of town or in or you're playing in a in a thanksgiving day festival parade at you know leapers fork they're going to be better than you know just as good as everybody else you've heard crazy it's fun wow so cool uh well we're going to move on to our last question and uh, this is the one that is probably my favorite question because it digs a bit deeper to the heart of what we do. Uh, but if you could give one piece of advice to the local church worship drummer, um, like it could be a heart piece or it could be practical, it could be both. Um, mm-hmm. What would be some advice you would want to leave with our listeners in the local church context? Mm. Uh, I think one of the... I think one of the main things that I've seen in worship drumming and you know it it goes just to church drumming, worship drumming, which is I guess is the same thing, but it's almost like the whole aspect of being good at your craft uh, or it, it might not even be 
important hmm. to some people. You know, it's go you, and I I understand that when you go to church, and the musicians aren't all going to be great, and that's that's basically where I'm coming from. But um, I guess the main thing I, I'm I would suggest is to actually figure out and learn how to practice to become better at what you do. If you're going to be, if you want to play worship and be a worship drummer, figure out what you need to learn. And that's kind of the hardest thing to do. What is to figure out what do I need to learn and how do I teach that to myself? Hmm. So, uh, in order to become, you know, the best possible drummer that I could be, I had to totally stretch my limits and 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 learn some of the hardest stuff that I could possibly learn. You know, I learned, um, I I've, I've taught myself how to become faster. I taught myself how to become, uh, you know, just to, I taught myself how to, how to learn, how to teach myself, you know? So I guess, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but, um, on the, on the other side of that, uh, be, you know, becoming, becoming all you can be on the other side of becoming all you can be is, uh, um, as a drummer, you're basically the heartbeat and soul of mm. everything that, that goes on in an entire worship set. So you have a lot of people, a lot of music and a lot of stuff just riding on your shoulders. Yeah. So um I guess one of the main tips would be to learn how to play to a click track first off. Good. And and that's that's very important. That's that's really important to just keep uh, keep stuff consistent, keep music consistent and time consistent. Because when time starts to waver, things start to really get, things start to really people people lose focus, and and you kind of lose, you kind of lose what you're trying to accomplish when you when you waver. Um, that being said, I love to turn the click off as soon as I can. Wow, because they're on the on the opposite side of that there is a part of wavering from the click that is very important and effective um like at the end of a song when somebody goes back into the chorus and they're just singing it by themselves if they're just if they're singing it by themselves and the song is just keeps trucking on in the click track and when you could just let it turn the click off and let it breathe and it just naturally slows down. You know, if if the audience starts to sing along with you, with them, and no one else is playing, it's naturally going to slow down. So you just want to facilitate that. Yeah. Um, and then along with that goes being able to play without a click track. So... When you play, when if you're really good at playing with the click and you're on time, all that good stuff, what do you do when you turn the click off? Hmm. 
do you immediately start speeding up? Do you immediately start slowing down? Do you have no control over what you're doing? When the click goes off, are you a slave to the click, basically? So I'm actually in the middle of studying how to teach somebody how to play like a metronome without a metronome, basically. Yeah, wow. So um, when I'm finished with those notes, I'll try to share them with you. <laughs> yeah. And everybody else, for that matter. Um, That's so cool. And yeah, not to, not I'm not gonna you know name any names, but one of my, it's not a student, but one of my uh, <clears throat> constituents, if you will. That's the first thing I noticed on you know on when he was playing. It's the click track turned off. And all of a sudden, the song took a nosedive. And so wow. I just made a note to myself. And when he came back, I said, hey, um, when the click turned off, you know, the song slowed down noticeably and, you know, ineffectively. You yeah. know, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a good thing at this point. So he said, great, I'll work on that. He's basically that's that was the end of the conversation with us and he went on to you know become an even better drummer than he is now just by learning that one thing you know mm. and that sent me into you know note taking mode teaching mode of how what what is this what is it what do i need to learn from this what can i teach other people from this how is it going to affect you know me going forward and make me better so wow. it's, it's actually kind of a it's you know like a, it's kind of a three-fold thing which was learn how to play to the click learn how not to play with the click and then you know learn how to speed up or slow down in the correct moment in yeah. in the correct interval wow mm -hmm. that's really cool thanks yeah, so when you have that and you figure out the key, definitely would love to hear about it. I'm working on it as we speak. <laughs> well, there you have it, my conversation with Josh Fisher from Jesus Culture. And I, I hope you had as much fun listening as I had uh, recording it with him. So uh, again, if you want to see the show notes, you can head to worshipdrummer.com forward slash zero one three. That's for obviously episode 13 of the podcast. And again, we have uh, all the links that we talked about to drummers that were mentioned, as well as some of those older bands that uh, as we were visiting memory lane. Um, so again, thank you so much guys for listening. And we have gals listening too. So I don't want to say guys, it's more of a general term, just so we can uh, have a mutual understanding there. Uh, so to all our Worship Drummer family, thank you so much for your support. Uh, whether it's by subscribing, or even some of you have gone to the extent of sending me an email just to say, hey, thanks so much for doing what you do. And I want you to know that Worship Drummer exists to equip, encourage, and inspire you in what you do in your local church. And if at the end of the day, we've been able to uh, help in some small way, then for me, it's all worth it. So guys and gals, God bless you. I pray that you have a great month of February. We've got a lot more stuff in store. 
exciting stuff that I can't even talk about yet, but we're just getting started, put it that way. So always remember, keep the heart before the beat, and God bless you. We love you all.